The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to a new episode of the Sox Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and this episode is released on January 2nd, 2023. Yes, it's our first show of the 2023 calendar year. And it will be entering our 10th season podcasting about the Chicago White Sox. And joining me for this episode, of course, is the co-host of the podcast and managing editor of SoxMachine.com. It's Jim Margulis. And Jim, our 10th season. We made it. Yes. Happy New Year. How happy are you doing? New Year to you. How's your head? Well, if you, if you follow me on Twitter, which you can follow us on Twitter at SoxMachine, you can follow me on Twitter at SoxMachine underscore Josh. Uh, I had too much fun on New Year's Eve, and I woke up on New Year's Day. It was 9 in the morning, and I had like a slight panic attack because I'm sure with you having Minnie Margulis and Chief, your dog, that mm-hmm. you wake up early in the morning because you got things to take care of. The dog needs to get outside. The dog needs to eat breakfast. You got to keep them in routine. We're, we're beyond routine i should say past routine uh, as far as timing wise so i let frank outside i got him breakfast and then i proceeded to pass out and the next thing i know it is 1 15 in the afternoon <laughs> <laughs> uh, i have not slept like that in a in a while but uh i i'm doing all right uh we're we're getting through this particular episode and we'll see how the rest of the week goes because on saturday uh, we have our live show along with our friends from the 108 at Reggie's in the South Loop of Chicago. And uh, there's no drinking whatsoever uh, at those <laughs> events. Uh, so this could be a rough a rough week for me, at least with the head. How about you? How was your New Year's Eve, Jim? Mine was quiet but nice. Broke out the fire pits. Uh, weather was like near 60 degrees in the 50s at night. So the perfect uh, temperature for that. So nice evening out. And uh, the fireworks did not scare Chief the way they normally did. So all good. No complaints. Nashville does fireworks, or I guess the residents do fireworks. Uh, We can hear the ones downtown from where I live. So 
Okay. And then, you know, residents have them as well. And, you know, sometimes those go even longer and, and to more inappropriate hours. But uh, I think there was a, there was like a dense fog rolling in, which I think kind of muted uh, the impact or the enjoyment of those. So maybe that's why it was an easier night on that front. Yeah. The fire pit is a, is a great idea, especially when you still have like the, the cool temperature there, like the high fifties, low sixties is just perfect. Uh, I don't know why you didn't join me though, uh, in having this very fun hangover, uh, while doing this episode. So I'm a bit disappointed there, Jim, but uh, enough about how I'm Time physically for me to talk louder. <laughs> enough about how I physically feel in this particular episode. So what are we going to be talking about in this particular podcast episode is a little bit of pulling the curtain back, at least the first part. We'll have our New Year's resolutions later in the show, both our personal New Year's resolutions and resolutions we have for the Chicago White Sox to achieve. And we did this last year, and shockingly, they did not hit on a lot of the resolutions that I had uh, for them in 2022. <laughs> but we'll be sharing our New Year's resolutions later in the show. But it is our 10th season podcasting together. And for a lot of the podcasts that you listen to, it's rare that podcasts last this long. And podcast hosts haven't killed one another uh, after this, and they haven't quit on each other. And that is pretty remarkable for us. So what we'd like to do for, I think a great way to kick off the 2023 year is just share some of our big plans at Sox Machine to let our listeners know and our audience know what our big plans are for this upcoming year. And we had this presentation, Jim, with our Patreon supporters. So if mm -hmm. you're a Patreon supporter, we had the town hall in October, and that was our first one. And I think we're going to do that as an annual thing to pull back the curtain and show as far as the progress and the successes that we've had and some of our plans that we're having at Sox Machine. But we do have a lot of people who read and listen to this show uh, who are not Patreon supporters. So I felt like it would be a good idea to share some of the things that we share with our Patreon supporters back in October. And I think a good place to start, Jim, is our two-year plan. Mm -hmm. uh, it is, uh, it's bullish. We are bullish on, on ourselves, even though we may not be bullish on the White Sox. Uh, but for the next two years, I, I guess, what should we share to the podcast audience and the non-Patreon supporters uh, what to expect the next two years? Well, for the next two years, uh, the goal is to get Josh to be full-time uh, Sox Machine, full-time podcast, full-time video, full-time personality that y'all know and love. Uh, he, right now, he's doing the two-job thing. I did that for uh, a dozen-plus years, uh, just about 15 years, and it's rough. Um, you know, and, and burnout is a... I would say burnout's not a threat, but it's something to constantly manage and, and constantly be aware of. Uh, I, I think, you know, I did a good job at that. Josh knows how to do that as well, but it does result in managing burnout. It does require you to pick, you know, what you can and can't do, what's a good use of energy, uh, makes it harder to take chances and learn new skills because like the rewards may not be there immediately. And so like, you know, it, it's harder to try to new ventures when you know that the results might not be there and then the efforts uh, still expended and the energy is still drained and the results aren't there. So how long, how far do you push it? How long did you go down uh, that road wondering if it's a dead end? And you know, when it's your only job, 
uh, when it's your only pursuit, it, it's easier to do that kind of stuff, to you know, get into the rabbit holes, to uh, explore new opportunities and, and, and experiment more. And so our goal over the next two years is just to keep building our supporter base, building our revenue, to uh, allow Josh to uh, ditch his other job and make socks machine and covering the White Sox a full-time pursuit. And I'm all for that. And uh, you know, our Patreon supporters are very receptive to it. And we got a nice little boost uh, from, uh, from those who support us. And we're very grateful for that. But yeah, it's worth mentioning to those on the outside looking in wondering like, you know, what do I get for my money? I enjoy the podcast, the free tier. I enjoy uh, the, you know, the site. Yeah, I don't need the bonus content on the site. So, you know, I'm content where I'm at. And this kind of gives you an idea of what you'd help support is, is allowing Josh to go even harder at being Josh. <laughs> not, 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 not happy, Josh. We, we want to calm that down. Uh, I got to make it to the wedding <laughs> later this year, but yeah. So what are there some of the things that we'd like to do, or I guess the way I, I should put it is what would Sox Machine do if Josh was full-time and on the video part, one area that we'd like to do more of is like video scouting where we've had this request. Can you record some action, some highlights of the minor league games, but it's just instead of showing me the highlights, can you show me at bats? Because not everyone has the minor league baseball streaming subscription service. And if you go on Twitter, oh, cool. Oscar Colas hit a home run. And that just gives the perception of Oscar Colas is doing really good. And he was doing really good last year. I'm just using this as a hypothetical. Maybe Mike or Adolfo is, is a better example of like, oh, he hit a homer. What else did he do? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Why is Mike or Adolfo not in the major leagues? Well, the thought is we could take at bats of micro Adolfo and do more scouting videos on our YouTube channel, which you can subscribe to at youtube.com slash socks machine and kind of breaking that down uh, to give a, a better understanding of where white Sox prospects are. And that would be very beneficial. I do this at times with the MLB draft in which I'll take at bats for particular pitchers, especially if they're going up against a one of the best hitters on the other team. Uh, so you could see the full pitch arsenal and you have a better understanding of that college pitcher when it comes to draft day. And the same thing with college hitters as well. It's nearly impossible to do that with the prep hitters. Not only is that more informative for our audience, but it also helps us as well. Uh, iron sharpens iron. And to go through that process as far as doing more video scouting and providing that content, we are also more educated on where players are. So when they do reach the major leagues or they do get drafted by the Chicago White Sox, not only do we have a good understanding, but we can also track their progress and their complete player development cycle all the way to they reach the major league. So that's one example of, well, if Josh is full time, what more do we get? That is an angle that we've been asked to do. Uh, and it is something that we want to pursue, but anyone that's ever done anything with video knows it is very time consuming and uh, it's kind of difficult to do right now. Yeah, especially if you don't, you know, know what you're doing, you're learning along the way, like after a while, you might be able to create some templates, drag and drop, etc. But yeah, when trying to learn and improve, uh, the learning curve is definitely the toughest part of trying to broaden the site while working two jobs. Yes. 
which is you know why I you know I thought about a podcast for a couple of years uh, when I was running Southside Socks, and I just couldn't do it because I didn't really have had a little bit of audio experience, but not enough to make it good. You know, make it sound good. So then, yeah, fortunately, uh, that's where uh, you jumped in in the fan posts and started uh, experimenting yourself, and so that we were able to do it that way because you had that set of skills uh, already baked in, whereas I was more of a writer editorial guy, and so that's. Uh, that's kind of the general idea is that, you know, perhaps if I were only doing Southside Sox at the time, I might have been able to do the podcast. Fortunately, Josh jumped in, but that's kind of the, the hard part is addressing that uh, lack of knowledge and building up that skill set without burning yourself out and, and dropping the ball on things that were our bread and butter, you know, the, the podcast and the site. Now, with this two year plan, we also opened up a new tier for our Patreon supporters called the Veterans Committee. And with the Veterans Committee, I think it's fair to say they kind of serve as our de facto board of directors in which... Yeah, sounding board. A sounding yeah. board, yes. And with their support, not only do they have direct access to Jim and I, we, we have created a group chat uh, so they can text Jim and I with questions or wish us Happy New Year's and other personal things as well. Uh, they also get to meet with Jim and I when we have questions or looking for feedback on some of the decisions that we're making at Sox Machine. Uh, so we just had the Sox Machine survey, for example. Thank you to everyone that participated in that survey. And we shared the results with the Veterans Committee and we're, we get feedback from them. And it's like our plus lawn meeting. So it's it's like your business meetings that you have for your nine to five, if you have a nine to five, but here again, they get to see what's going on behind the curtain. They get an understanding of where Jim and I are at and we take their feedback very seriously. So if you would like to help shape bold, as far as what we do with our coverage at Sox machine, the veterans committee on Patreon is the way to do that. And the monthly support is $50 a month or $600 a year to be part of that veterans committee. And so far we have six members, Jim, that are part of the veterans committee. There is a cap to it. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause if we had like a hundred people in the veterans committee, well, that would be great. It's, it's hard to manage a hundred people on that type of tier. Yeah. And, and, you know, these were some people were, had been supporting us at this tier or close to it for, you know, years. And we're very grateful for that. So it was just a way to kind of, codify a level of support and, and thank them for the support they are already providing. So uh, it's bold. I know people, you know, some people will say like, it's a lot of money for a month and it sure is. <laughs> we don't take that for granted. So just something there for people who have felt uh, motivated to support us at that level the whole time. I will be saying that uh, we are finalizing some details. Uh, I'm going to take the Veterans Committee curling. Uh, I believe it's working up to be in April and, and uh, in the Chicagoland area, the date and uh, location uh, we're still working on, uh, nailing on details. But yeah, uh, Josh had the idea, like, you know, trying to figure out what perks we can offer. He threw it out maybe as a half joke or just, you know, thinking like, you know, what what can we offer? And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's not a bad idea. So, um, you know, I contacted a, a Chicagoland curling club and they sounded open to it. So just needed to hear some, uh, you know, potential dates and number of people and such. So we're working on that right now, but it's looking to be an April event. So yeah, if you want me to teach you how to curl uh, and everything that goes along with that, uh, Veterans Committee, $50 a month, join today. Yes, or if, because it's the new year, you can sign up for 
the annual subscription. And I cannot wait when everybody the following weekend in Cincinnati is wondering, what's the scrape on your face, Josh? Uh, I only, you know, I, I imagine that I'm as I'm sweeping, I'm going to slip and fall uh, and land right on my face. But I can't wait. I can't wait to curl for the first time. I can't wait for Jim to teach us on how to curl. Uh, so again, that event is in April, and we're going to be doing that uh, over the the calendar year as well as hosting uh, these veteran committee only type of meetups. So again, if you really enjoy your work uh, and you would like to help support Socks Machine or even mold with the things that we do at Socks Machine, the Veterans Committee tier is now available at Patreon.com/SocksMachine. There is a cap to it. Uh, right now, we do have six people. I believe we have nine spots remaining. Uh, at this particular tier. So after hearing this, if you would like to be more involved, uh, go to patreon.com slash socks machine and sign up for that veterans committee tier today. The last thing is there's going to be another podcast episode for you during the week when we get to the regular season. When the regular season starts, you know that you get a show on Monday and you know that there's another 30 plus minute show during the midweek as we recap each series. And between those, you have the White Sox wake-up calls, which, based on the feedback, people are still enjoying. So we're still going to be doing that. There is now going to be a Saturday show that we'll be, be providing at Sox Machine. A good feedback was, I catch up on your podcast because of just life in general. It gets in the way that I can't listen to the episodes when they're released. But come the weekend when I'm running errands or I'm mowing the yard, Josh, that's when I listen to you. And then it dawned on me, well, a lot of the things that you are hearing about could be a bit dated as some of the topics that we have are pretty time sensitive. So to be mindful of that, we're going to release an episode on Saturdays, but they're also going to be more interview based. So guests from all over the league and the national and local level, thanks to the balanced schedule, the White Sox will play every single team. And there's going to be new faces that we'll be meeting on the podcast, talking about those particular teams as we learn about ball clubs that the White Sox may not face typically for like four or even six years, depending on how the schedule works out. So that Saturday show will be kicking off come the regular season. Pretty excited about that. So instead of getting four episodes a week during the regular season, uh, you'll be getting five, maybe even six episodes a week. So that's one thing that we'll be adding on no matter what going into the 2023 season is an additional show re released on the weekends. Yeah. And I have a couple of guests in mind that I want to pitch to you because I don't think I've mentioned it yet. Uh, hopefully you can uh, just broaden uh, directions we go and uh, get new people involved. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Kind of like the, uh, the way we talked about it was kind of like the the Sunday morning shows uh, on like Face the Nation. Um, we, we still have to figure out a name for the series. So if anybody has one, uh, send it our way because we're still kind of uh, circling around them. But yeah, something along the lines of meet the press, face the nation, et cetera, that uh, just gets people uh, to answer hard hitting questions. Uh, real gotcha journalism uh, we're going to be doing <laughs> Saturday morning, ambushing our guests with... Uh, uh, just, you know, swaths and, and folders of paper. And, uh, you know, where were you on this date? Holding their feet to the fire, getting the answers you want from uh, people who don't deserve that kind of treatment. And and that's why we're going to be reaching out to Rick Hahn, right? He'll be yep. one of our first guests <laughs> for the Saturday morning show. All right, you know, Saris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the truth. Probably more that line. Yeah. <laughs> 
But I, I, I'm excited for the Saturday show. And again, it'll also be available not just in the podcast feed, but also on our YouTube channel as well. So pretty excited about that. So to recap, we got big plans the next couple of years. We have the Veterans Committee Patreon tier now available, and you're going to be getting a Saturday show once the regular season starts. So more content coming from us on Sox Machine. Even though the White Sox, we, we don't know what kind of team we're going to be watching in 2023, but we're going to be there covering it every single day and doing more than we have in years past. And hopefully they are an entertaining bunch. And if you are one of those right now that has said that I'm done watching the White Sox, well, you don't worry. At Sox Machine, we watch the White Sox, so you don't have to. And like I've said before, <laughs> if you don't want to spend any money on the White Sox, that doesn't preclude you from spending money on us. So again, exactly, White, uh, Sox Machine Veterans Committee, fifty dollars a month. I'll teach you curling. <laughs> that's a that's a great tagline. So <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break here for a word from our sponsors. But after the break, it's time to share our New Year's resolutions, not just ourselves, but also for the Chicago White Sox. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. We'll go back to the Sox Machine podcast. All right, since it is after New Year's, it's time to share our resolutions for the 2023 year. This is going to be a pretty big year for me personally. Uh, so my resolutions are a bit aggressive at the beginning part of the year. But let's start with the Chicago White Sox. So last year, one of the New Year's resolutions they hit that I had was develop a top 100 prospect. And the White Sox did. They got two. Colson Montgomery has developed into a top 100 prospect. Oscar Colas has developed into a top 100 prospect. We may see Brian Ramos also join Colas and Montgomery in top 100 prospect list when they are released uh, shortly before the regular season. So the White Sox could, they're going to have two to three top 100 prospects when the season starts. And then again, our assumption is Colas is going to be the starting right fielder. And at the midway point of the season, he's going to drop off the top 100 list and we'll see where the White Sox are. But the White Sox did not figure out right field. 
They did not figure out second base. They did not win the American League Central, so they did not win a postseason series. Those are some of the resolutions that we had in 2022 that the White Sox did not meet. So hopefully they do a better job in 2023 of meeting our New Year's resolution. I wonder if that's like the average success rate. Yeah, but that's probably the average success rate for New Year's resolutions. One out of five, one out of six. They probably nailed it. <laughs> that's true. So what do you have, Jim, as your first New Year's resolution for the White Sox? Oh, basically. Stay healthy. Yeah, it kind of comes to mind, stay healthy. But reintroduce yourself to the fan base. Like, you know, as, as Penals wrote about in the site, like they've really drifted into a kind of like isolationism of just, you know, withdrawing you know, from Sox Fest. Uh, their social media channels are pretty quiet. Like they made the garage sale online only, which I didn't know about. It just kind of came and went. But, you know, the garage sale seemed like kind of uh, a harmless event, you know, and just, you know, a way to get people thinking about baseball in December. And they made it online only. And a lot of people were unhappy with the way, you know, that was conducted. And and that seemed like kind of a no brainer for White Sox charities. How are people going to get mad at a garage sale? Like, you know, they, they might, it might hear more under your breath snarky comments, but just, that seemed weird. So yeah, there's just been a, an idea that White Sox, you know, the worst thing about, uh, you know, running the White Sox are their fans and the fact that people have to show up to watch them. Like that's, that's weird. there's an idea that just the White Sox are, are inconvenienced by their customers, which seems pretty bad for a, an entertainment based venture. So it would seem like they should probably reverse some of that. I don't, I don't encounter a whole lot of that just because I, I live in Nashville. So I don't have, I don't go to a whole lot of games or think about going to a whole lot of games and then, you know, don't have to deal with the lines and the lines of concessions and just, you know, everything that has kind of gone south about the game day experience. But it would seem like reversing that would go, maybe, you know, that, that wouldn't solve all their problems. Certainly they have to fix the on-field product, but that's what they can control. You know, they can't control what, you know, whether Tim Anderson stays healthy, whether, you know, Yuan Mankata gets it together, whether Pedro Grafal is truly the guy to write all of Tony LaRusso's wrong, so on and so forth. But, you know, treating the fans uh, with higher regard is certainly something they can do regardless of what their record is. That's a good one, Jim, especially for like the game day experience. They need to improve wait time. It's at the security check-in for the games. Even if people are showing up at the last mm -hmm. minute, according to the White Sox, which last minute is five minutes before first pitch, they should not be missing an inning or two at times, just trying to get into the stadium. Like they need to improve upon that. They need to improve upon, uh, on the parking situation for those that are coming off the highway. They have all these parking lots, but it's so difficult for White Sox fans to park at the stadium in a timely manner. So that definitely needs to improve. If they could do those two things, making it easier to get into the stadium, they're making progress and making the game day experience better. Then of course it's what's going on inside the stadium with concessions, not just as far as like food items, but able to buy things. Cause sometimes concession stands would just not be open for the Chicago White Sox. And it'd be pretty, disappointing yeah I, i'm mm -hmm. always disappointed like we both love churros jim if you don't get your churros by the third inning there will be no churros left like it's incredible limited supply and they're kind of hard to find sometimes in the stadium that's just an, mm. an example the fifth inning the fifth inning is my churro inning well you would so. luck out uh more times than not mm. at guarantee right field uh 
yeah, they, improving the game day experience that that's a great one. And it also be a good way to reintroduce yourself to the fan bases. Again, uh, the White Sox are trying to earn the trust back from the fans and they're having a really weird way of doing that so far since the end of the 2022 regular season. Uh, mine is the, my first one. And, and this is the biggest one. Aloy Jimenez, Yoan Makata, Tim Anderson, and Luis Robert need to be in the lineup together for a hundred plus game in 2023. It's time, Jim, like all mm -hmm. four of these guys are in the physical prime of their career. Tim Anderson will be leaving that age range where he will not be in his physical prime in the next couple of years. Uh, and the physical prime is usually like ages 26 through 31 is where players are in the physical prime of their careers, especially the Hall of Famers. This is when they usually have their peak in their career. Last year, these four were in the lineup together for four games. The year before that, they were in the lineup together for 21 games, but they weren't in the lineup <laughs> together until August. Yeah. When you when you get it from that perspective, like these are the four core position players and out of the last 324 regular season games, they have been in the lineup together 25 times. They need to be in the lineup for 100 plus games if they are going to beat out Cleveland and Minnesota and winning the American League Central in 2023. I strongly believe that. So I think this is a good New Year's resolution. I know I'm grouping up four together, but these four need to be in the lineup together for 100 plus games of the White Sox in a be the championship contenders that the front office thinks that they are. That's a good one. And, and, and they really aren't four separate resolutions. I mean, like the whole idea of all these extensions and locking these players in for a long amount of time was just like, they don't need, you know, and, and the way they've spun it by having to pay these players more year after year and not acquiring the premium free agent is these are our premium players. So yeah, the, the premium players do need to, uh, comprise a premium heart of the lineup in a way that they haven't been able to. So what's another new year's resolution that you have for the white Sox If you have more than one, uh, basically, uh, you know, stay healthy again, uh, <laughs> but just the, when thinking about last year's product, what was so unsatisfactory about it was the, the effort or just the, some effort is eyewash. Some is like, you know, you don't have to put your head down and run 100% on the ground or the second. They're going to be thrown out, you know, are going to be thrown out by 30 or 35 feet. You know, that's, you know, that's one form of hustle. But just when you had the no hustle list and you had the, you know, um, Rick Hahn saying that he disagreed with how many people Tony La Russa told not to run or there was some miscommunication over like, who the front office thought could run and who couldn't and just how uh, pathetic that was just, you know, not only from a player standpoint, not only from a product standpoint, but just from a uh, communication standpoint, like just not being able to manage the manager and the manager not really managing the players. Like it was a fundamental breakdown. So I think, you know, when it comes, you know, I'm trying to think of a, a way to phrase it aside from just hustle more because that's not always the answer. I think it's just more of a matter of, and this has come up a lot for following the White Sox is just how about a normal chain of command? How about a normal, just, uh, you know, Rick Hahn, uh, you know, manages Pedro Griffal. Pedro Griffal has a 
normal scope of managerial jobs where he gets a, a fair amount of autonomy with what he can say, but they have check-ins to say like, you know, do you have the players you need? Do you have a healthy 26-man uh, roster? How many players are not able to go right now? And be able to field a roster that can operate at maximum physical capacity because they played a lot at 23 and 24 men last year, just guys who, you know, either were not playing for six games in a row, but yet not on the 10 day injured list. Like I would just like to see a roster that you don't have to worry about like who's actually healthy. Uh, who's um, you know, when are they going to be healthy? How long is this going to be continue looking like uh, a, a, a crippled product just, you know, uh, hampered, like needs to, uh, you know, needs to go into the, uh, the garage for, uh, for weeks. Uh, that was the most unsatisfying part of watching last year's product. And a lot of it could have been rectified with just some more open lines of communication in terms of like, who can actually run if they can't run now, when can they run and adjusting from there? So, beyond the basically stay healthy, just basically know who is healthy. And if they're not, when they're going to be. That's a good one. That's a really good one, Jim, especially the chain of command part. I think it will improve where Han picked Grafal. It wasn't Reinsdorf picking Larusa for Rick Han and then Rick Han trying to figure out how to work this relationship with someone who may not have, he said publicly that he had a ton of, respect for the White Sox front office. But let's face it, LaRusa was coming from a front office environment when he took the White Sox managerial job. He was part of front offices that won World Series more recently than the White Sox. He probably, in his mind, he knew more or knew better options of how to run the team than Kenny Williams and Rick Khan. Now you don't have that situation. So there's no built-in excuse for Rick Khan coming into 2023 and how the, this team is managed. You picked your guy. He's brand new to this type of gig. So things should be more streamlined is the assumption. Yeah, And I, and I don't want Griffal to be a puppet. Like, right. you know, I don't want to be a case like where Aaron Boone, you know, has to like, you know, you have Brian Cashman defending him all the time and just you know, people wondering aloud, even players sometimes, especially after the, the postseason exits they had, like wondering like, you know, just where are the calls coming from? Like, I don't, really care for any of that i think joe you know for all the complaining joe madden's done like i think there is like especially for like a guy like Rafal who never uh played a major league game you know there, there used to be the stigma for managers like if they never got to the majors like they you know do they have the authority uh to you know make decisions or are they just extensions of the front office and you know doubt can set in and it's a way to undermine a potentially promising managerial career so i would hope that he's empowered to make his own calls i would just like to see you know when it comes to communication i would just like to you know there to be some candid lines of communication saying like uh you know rickon saying why isn't this guy playing you know you've, you've he's been sitting for three days does something need to be done or pedro, pedro grafal saying like uh, you know, we've been playing with a Yon Mankato can't swing the bat for, you know, nine days. We've been trying to gut through it. We can't, who else do you have? Like just that didn't seem like it was happening last year, uh, where we had Larry Garcia collapsing after swings and we had, uh, you know, just, you know, Yon Mankato looking like he was at 60%, uh, like running on low battery. And we just had a whole bunch of, you know, players just not performing the way they usually do. Like Kendall Graveman, not pitching on back-to-back -back days or struggling when he did Joe Kelly, not pitching on back-to-back -back days. So, Hopefully that will be uh, solved or at least improved upon by just having a manager 
who the general manager wants <laughs> and a manager who, uh, you know, is certainly has everything to prove and prove you know, he has to prove himself to his employer still. Um, so hopefully there'll be more on top of that. The one that I have going back to a, a specific player is Lucas Giolito having a sub four ERA. We have mentioned this many times. This is a pretty critical year for Lucas Giolito, especially when it comes to future earnings. Now he's going to get paid uh, before this free agency. If he did not, if he duplicated his 2022 season, I was thinking he might get a year, $10 million as like a prove it type of contract. But after seeing some of the contracts, these starting pitchers have signed G Lito is, is going to get paid after this season. Now, how much is he going to get paid? Is he going to get a nine figure guaranteed contract? I think largely depends on how the 2023 season goes for him. So on a personal level, Lucas G Lito should be, hyper motivated and i think having a sub four era is it's not a completely low bar where giolito left the 2022 season this should be attainable but if he can get back to his form especially like his 2019 2020 form that's greatly going to help the chicago white Sox as a team they're going to win more games if they have that type of lucas giolito but it'll also greatly help Lucas Giolito in his upcoming free agency if he can recapture those types of moments and that type of success that he had with the White Sox in 19 and 20. So I think this is a reachable resolution for Lucas Giolito, but he really needs to have a sub four ERA, not just to help the White Sox, but to help himself. Yeah, and if it's over four, like say like four, four, Point one or something like that. You hope that it comes with like 190 innings or 185 innings, something where he is shouldering the burden. You know, it's not a a case where he's you know pedestrian or like you know a little bit better than average, but also you know spend a little bit of time in the injured list and might have to uh, you know rush to catch up to qualify for the ERA title because that'd be um, you know if you're not getting uh, there is some value in bulk and taking innings even if those innings aren't. Uh, Sterling, but yeah, it's it's a case where it needs to either be one or the other. Like, uh, you know, more durability, like no missed starts, or a, a case where he is dynamite when he does start. Because Lance Lynn is, you know, he's had knee problems. He's in his you know mid thirties. Like this could be the case where decline sets in and somebody else has to shoulder the load. And it was it was supposed to be Giolito in his prime. Yes, it should be Cease and Giolito leading the rotation. I know Cease will be there. Will Giolito join him? I'm hopeful that he'll bounce back in 2023, but he does need to bounce back. And that bounce back is having a sub four ERA. Uh, do you have another resolution for the White Sox in 2023, Jim? I have one more after that became more a matter of like, oh, I hope he has a Monte Grandal can rebound, which really isn't a resolution. Like he might, you know, he's a catcher in his in his 30s. You know, he's had multiple surgeries. He might be done. Like, you know, the, you already covered the health issues elsewhere in the roster. So I think I would save my last one for you know, Liam Hendricks, Kendall Graveman, Joe Kelly, like that needs to be more impressive as a unit. Um, I know part of the bullpen's problems were the fact that the White Sox offense could not furnish them, you know, cushions to have the good kind of low leverage uh, appearances to where like, oh, they get the night off because the White Sox are up by five runs. Like those big leads are few and far between. So they had, to, you know, the, the emphasis on back-to-back -back days was probably uh, heightened by the fact that the White Sox offense could not provide leads. And that's why, you know, I've been emphasizing for you know, a couple of years now to Rick Hahn, you know, like in my writing and, and podcasts to say, like, stop acquiring relievers, you know, build 
Yeah, that and, and that's why I've been open to trading Liam Hendricks because like I'd like to see an offense that could you know take some stress out of the bullpen and maybe the closer issue will solve itself by not requiring the closer to pitch four straight victories. Uh, that's what I'm kind of hoping for. But in the event that the White Sox offense is still unremarkable and you do have close games, like if you're spending $40 million on a bullpen, that bullpen needs to be good. <laughs> that bullpen needs to be an asset. Like it was okay last year, but all, there were also some stretches where like Joe Kelly wasn't able to answer the bell. Like Kendall Graveman looked uh, weak on back the second of back-to-back days. And Liam Hendricks, who we thought was going to be like a two-inning option at times, he had that arm issue flare up. And so he was limited to traditional closer usage, which is not what you want from a, a $15 million closer who is supposed to be something. So I think it's just more, you know, Reynaldo Lopez stepped up and I'm hoping he can continue to just bolster his position as a, a high leverage guy. And Aaron Bummer, we haven't seen that kind of, we haven't seen what we know he can be in, in, you know, quite a while now. So they should get some help, but those three relievers really need to be more of an asset as a unit, you know, be able to pick each other up. Like if Hendricks has saved three games in a row, like Graveman needs to be able to step in without question. Joe Kelly needs to be able to pick up a high leverage inning here and there just because, uh, you know, arm strength is still there. Movement's still there. Like they still have the stuff, just more of a matter of getting it. And I guess that falls to Ethan Katz a little bit too. in the training staff, making sure that they're actually ready to do it. No, I, I like that one. My last new year's resolution, as you man, you mentioned the white Sox offense, what if they struggle? They need to hit more than 185 home runs in yeah. 2023. 200 is ideal, especially when you play a guaranteed rate field. But 185, again, I'm, I'm picking resolutions that I think they can attain. And with this new hitting coach system that the White Sox have, essentially three hitting coaches, hopefully it's not too many chefs in the kitchen that starts confusing and backfires the method for the White Sox, I don't think it will be. But if you are now saying in late December, early January, and the message is going to continue to repeat during spring training, we are a ball club not looking to hit singles in 2023. We need to see results in the White Sox offense. And the result is putting the ball in the seats and hitting more than 185 home runs. And I think they could do that is going to be largely based on how healthy that they are in 2023. But I think 185 is a good goal. Yeah, I guess I can tack onto that too and say like, they better be ready for the baseball as it played last year. Um, because the opposite field homers uh, dried up for the entire league. And a lot of teams were hurt by it. Uh, the White Sox were chief among them because you think about like, you know, Aloy Jimenez has opposite field power. Jose Abreu has opposite field power. Andrew Vaughn has all fields power. But uh, they also derive a lot of their home run total from balls that sneak over the right field fence. And those weren't happening last year. So, uh, you know, they can't count on the opposite field homers materializing for them like if the ball continues to play as it's played so hopefully they have some adjustments in mind to tap into power that's more uh directed towards the pole field or the the pole power alley uh to where they don't have to count on the conditions that they can't control themselves being favorable yeah oppo tacos are happy mistakes they should not be what you are targeting at the plate you should be targeting on pitches to pull either to the gaps as Jim mentioned, or try to pull, especially a guarantee rate field into the new premium bleachers section, <laughs> especially now that the shifts are banned, like there's more incentive to try to pull, you yes. know, the, 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 the all fields approach is probably, you know, if it's natural for hitters and it's a way like Tim Anderson, like the way he gets a lot of his hits on bad pitches, like, sure, 
continue to do that. But for guys like Yasmani Grandal, you know, who, you know, now, now he should be incentivized to, uh, you know, grip and rip and, you know, same for Andrew Vaughn. If he has that in him, uh, you know, pull the ball more, even if it's in the ground, you might get more hits that way. If, if it, there's an adjustment period that, uh, uh, is required to get the ball in the air more towards left field for these right-handed hitters, they should have a more, uh, forgiving, uh, environment and, and set of rules to help, uh, help get by while they, uh, you know, maybe battle through some grounders to the left side. So th those are my White Sox New Year's resolutions. It'd be great to hear your guys' New Year's resolutions as well. You could write them in the podcast post on SoxMachine.com in the comments section or hit us up on Twitter. Tweet at us, at SoxMachine, at SoxMachineJosh, for your New Year's resolutions that you have for the Chicago White Sox. And then to end this particular episode, we could share some of our personal New Year's resolutions. And obviously weight loss is by far the number one for many people around the world when it comes to New Year's resolutions. Uh, unless you're one of those that's the opposite. It's like, I'm trying to gain more weight. That would be a great New Year's resolution. Cultivate mass. I've got, I've got great recommendations for you if you are looking to gain weight uh, in 2023. <laughs> but uh, for me, number one, uh, again, I have the wedding coming up in July. I want to get down to 225 pounds. So January 1st, 2022, I was at the heaviest I ever was at 273. Right now I'm at, I'm at a 250 pounds after this New Year's Eve weekend. <laughs> Definitely gained weight this weekend. So my goal is to get down to 225 pounds. So 25 more pounds in the next five months before I got to get fitted for my suits and, and my tuxes is my, my first New Year's resolution, Jim. Maybe you need to reverse your Peloton challenge and say, like, for every run the White Sox score, I have to bike five more miles or something Ooh, like that. All right. I like that. If you want to like get them that. involved, because last I mean, it worked wonders for you when it came to like not scoring runs and in, 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 in biking until they scored. But if they're looking at, uh, you know, trying to be better prepared to attack pitchers in the first three innings, you might have to change your uh, plan a little bit to uh, make sure that the White Sox are motivating you in the uh, in the right direction. Yeah, that could be scary, though, because if it's like 10 nothing after the first three innings, uh I'm going to be on the bike for a couple hours to get to. Yeah. Maybe you can do like a, 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 you know, like, you know, companies do like a max match. Like we'll match you up to this amount. Like, yeah. Okay. I like that. I like that. I like that one a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll add it to the list. Uh, yeah. Cause the biking until the white Sox score method is like self torture. Yeah. <laughs> I'm miserable. I'm still on this damn bike. I'm still pedaling. It's the sixth inning. How come the White Sox haven't scored yet? <laughs> uh, how about you, Jim? What's on your personal New Year's resolution list? I want to get back into reading. Like one of the things I learned about having a kid is like, oh, it's it's hard to find time to read, especially like since I I do most of my writing now, like after nine o'clock, like after, uh, you know, yeah, I used to write in the mornings uh, before, uh, you know, Minnie Margulis is born. And now mornings have become dedicated to, you know, making sure he's fed and entertained and, and monitored and such. So, and then like after he went down, that's kind of when I rested. <laughs> so it became like nine, you know, 9 p.m. to midnight or, you know, one o'clock was my time to get stuff done. But now that there is a little bit more of a normal sleep cycle and, uh, you know, he still requires watching and such. So, you know, those hours are still taken in the morning, but there's more time now, I think, to get into a reading habit. And there's 
books I want to get to, uh, you know, White Sox reading material, baseball reading material, other reading material that just, you know, keeps piling up. My list keeps getting longer and I just haven't been able to knock it out. So, uh, oh, also my reading material was like parenting books, like <laughs> mom's on call, like stuff that, you know, I'd, I'd read along with my wife just to, you know, shoulder the load for having to understand like, uh, you know, you know, what's coming and, and not make it only, you know, her responsibility, even if she was the one directing the reading materials towards me, at least it was my job to read them. So, uh, yeah, now that, uh, that's become less of a thing and I'm able to choose when I'm able to read more, when I have time to read, definitely want to get more into the habit of like, I don't necessarily want to put like number of books because some books are longer than others, but at least a daily or weekly, uh, quota I want to hit to be determined based on, on what I have to hit. Is there a book that you are eager to read? Like what's number one on Jim's wish list to read? Well, I'm in the, I'm trying the chili dog MVP a book about uh, Dick Allen's time with the white Sox uh, that I started and then got interrupted by uh, and, and want to finish uh, that's on there. And then like, I want to get Tyler Kepner's book about the world series, which I've heard great things about uh, that's on there baseball wise. And uh, good news is I have the flight uh, coming up to uh, uh, next weekend for uh, 108 fest uh, 108 day. And uh, I'm planning on not, wearing headphones, just have a book and just like, I'm going to use this hour, uh, on the plane to read. And so that's my, my, my goal to get started on this reading goal. Nice. All right. I like that. I like that. So for me, uh, something that I've always wanted to do, it's like a bucket list item. I want to learn how to kayak. So in the summertime in Chicago, you'll see people on the kayak tours in the Chicago river downtown. And I've always thought that would be a lot of fun. And when you're when you're big, it's it's kind of hard to kayak because that's the thing that I, I notice is that uh, when you go to these kayak tours, there there's a there's a bit of a weight limit uh, as far as the type of gear that they have to make sure that things fit. And I was always disappointed, but with the weight loss coming along, I feel like okay, yeah, I could definitely be you know do one of these kayak tours. It doesn't have to be Chicago; it could be anywhere. You know, I got my my friends out in San Diego; they kayak in the, the Pacific Ocean, which kind of scares me with the type of wildlife that they have out there. I <laughs> uh, don't want to get like bumped by a whale or a shark or a whale shark or a whale shark. Yeah. Uh, but I, I definitely, I, I want to try cause it looks like a, a physical outdoor activity I would enjoy. Cause it's, it's more like on the solo. It's not like canoeing where you need to paddle with somebody else. And some people can paddle by themselves like on a canoe. Uh, I, this seems to be like a solo adventure that uh, I would enjoy a lot. Ha, have you ever kayaked? I haven't kayaked. I've canoed before, like did a hardcore camp. The only camping trip I've done was a hardcore one, a week in the boundary waters. And then a week at Glacier national park with three other 17 and 18 year olds. Like one was an Eagle scout. And I'm surprised my parents let me go on the trip. Cause I had no camping experience whatsoever. Uh, but they trusted my friends and I was like, yeah, I was hoping they'd kind of bail me out because I didn't want to say yes, but I also didn't want to say no. <laughs> it's like, oh, my parents won't let me, but my parents like, if you want to do it, I was like, crap. Uh, turned out to be a great trip. I'm glad I did it. Uh, yeah, but uh, that was a case where like I didn't know how to canoe, so basically I, I told them like, I can carry bags, I can hike, um, everything else you're gonna tell me what I'm doing because I know nothing about like being out in the woods for more than like a night. And, uh, it was a great time canoeing was, but yeah, I always wanted to try kayaking myself, like, especially in Cooperstown, uh, Lake Otsego, uh, up there, you know, it's it, the Cooperstown Sentinel Lake and see people with their super supers are huge in upstate New York and you know, New England in general, but you see like kayaks strapped to the top of canoes and people always look like they're having a great time on, on pretty still waters and like, yeah, that'd be a 
nice way to spend an hour or two um and just need never quite found an occasion to do it there but i i've liked uh, my experience canoeing for what that's worth okay all right so there you go so if you see me with taking selfies kayaking that's that's one of my new year's resolutions uh my last one that i have is taking more photos now you you got married jim uh did you take a lot of photos at your wedding i mean we had a photographer so they, so it is yeah there yeah. there are going to be photos whether you like it or not someone yeah. is taking photos for you yeah more than i cared for but i'm not really a, a photo guy. a photo of me guy i like taking photos myself but not of me but yeah there were there were photos of me yeah so the as, as someone that takes photos uh for me, like just going through and, you know, trying to build out these like album books and memories and stuff. I take a lot of photos of like baseball things, but I just don't take a lot of photos in general when we have gatherings. And there's a lot of people that are like way too much into the selfie thing. Like mm -hmm. we got to take a selfie at every group outing. We don't have to do that. <laughs> but I've noticed that. I don't take enough photos as is like I missed an opportunity during New Year's Eve. Everyone's together. We should have taken a group photo to celebrate New Year's and the last day of 2022. Whoops. Didn't do that. So that's going to be one of my resolutions this year is that not for every group outing for the bigger group outings, though, we need to take a group photo. I, I need to take more photos. So I have these memories stored up. Well, if you have a kid, you'll take more photos. That's uh, one thing I've learned is that I have a dog. I take a lot yeah, of photos of constantly Frank. taking photos. Yeah, no, it's yeah, that's that's uh, now it's you know basically like my entire Google Photos folder is jammed of like trying to get trying to take a bunch, just hoping to get the right expression because yeah, he's not old enough to smile yet or look at me. So basically, just a constant stream of hitting the button, hoping one of them works out. Do you ever just pull out the the good camera instead of just the one on the phone and just uh, the sports photography setting and just press and hold? Click, 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 click. Yeah, like yeah, the, 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 the burst mode. Yeah, I just took a hundred photos. <laughs> yeah, I probably have to get One's that good. at some point. Yeah, <laughs> the hundred. <laughs> yep, thirty-two gig card that just filled up and got three usable photos out of it. Uh, all right, so for me, losing weight, learn how to kayak, take more photos. Do you have another one, Jim? Uh, basically, you know, I talked about in, on the last uh, podcast talking about like you know how we thought about our years and just like how little I did. <laughs> Now, you know, a little travel, like hopefully take a trip that is not, uh, you know, based on socks machine or, uh, you know, an event like, like say like, you know, 108 day or like the meetup, um, or, you know, no offense, but your wedding that's, you know, I, I've gone to Chicago for other things too. So it's like going somewhere besides Chicago, going somewhere besides like, you know, for a, for a baseball related trip, like Birmingham, North Carolina, like need to go somewhere else, uh, this year. Now that, uh, uh, you know, the uh mini margulis is on a more reliable schedule there's more of a routine we kind of know how to manage them better like feel like empowered i think to go on an actual trip uh even if it might be a modest one but that would be an improvement over last year so what's on your bucket i and maybe not a bucket list place that you want to travel to but like what's on your power rankings of places that you want to travel to next what's number one well, like the Smoky Mountains are nice, so like drivable. Um, I, I've, I've been to, I uh, went to Pigeon Forge for like a 
conference or like my, my wife at a conference. So I went to provide uh, support, uh, you know, for watching the kid and such and may as well see it. And that's, you know, that's not my speed. Pigeon Forge, uh, Dollywood, that area is, uh, uh, but you know, the, the Smokies seem cool. Like I like Asheville a lot, like going somewhere like there, Chattanooga, uh, and then branching out into the, into the mountains from, from like cities like that, I think would be cool. Um, there, there is always the possibility like, of, of Alaska because my in-laws live there. Uh, the hard part is like 10 hours of travel with a one-year-old. I'm not sure if we're quite ready for that yet, uh, the two flights. But once we get there, it's fine. Uh, grandparents, uh, lots of uh, you know, friends and family up there, happy to, uh, happy to see a baby and watch a baby. So yeah, just getting there is the hard part. But you know, that's also on the list of possibilities as well. I will be going to Alaska for the first time in my life later this year. We are taking an Alaskan cruise. Uh, so to be in August. Uh, so the, all those are like, why don't we have the meetup in Denver? Because I will not be in Denver. Yeah. I will be in Alaska uh, during that week. So I, I'm really looking forward to it because I've always wanted to see Alaska. And, you know, it's I, I wouldn't say it's easy to knock out the 48 continental states not trying to offend any of our friends in North Dakota, but I don't have a real reason to ever visit North Dakota uh, or like a want. So I'd have to figure one out like Fargo. Teddy Roosevelt national park is cool. Is it North Dakota? I thought that was in South Dakota. Nope. Oh, it drove through it on the way from, uh, from the boundary waters to Montana on that uh, aforementioned trip I talked about. Oh, wow. Okay. So there you go. Now I have a reason to, uh, to go to North Dakota, but like finding a way or a reason to get to Alaska when I don't want to be there in the winter time, because when I travel living in a winter city, uh, I don't want to travel to other winter cities uh, during the winter. I'd rather go places that are warm uh, when it's cold in Chicago. Uh, so getting to Hawaii one day will be easy, but yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing Alaska from the water. And of course, getting on land and getting to experience that state. I, I can't wait for that trip in August. I'm looking forward to your wedding. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's also the Sabre convention. Yes. Yes. It's That's, you know, I, I saw that was in Chicago and then or, until I realized it was the same wedding uh, weekend as your wedding. Like, oh, it's in Chicago. Like, uh, you know, it's it been nice to go somewhere beside Chicago. But like in this case, like, oh, now it works out perfectly. So I can, I can drop in there for, uh, you know, around uh, the events. Yes. Uh, of your wedding and you know, stop there. So yeah, it's, it's very convenient, but for a brief moment, I thought like, Oh, I've been, that'd been a good excuse to go somewhere else. Uh, but now it's covered. Yes. We're good. So yes, again, uh, for those that did not know the Saber convention, uh, their big annual convention is going to be in Chicago from July 5th through the 9th. Uh, and, uh, tickets have not been on sale yet. Uh, you can book as far as your hotel room for the convention, uh, but if you go to the Sabre website, uh, they have a convention page and they'll be updating that as well. But yeah, it is in Chicago uh, this upcoming summer. So there'll be a lot of national people uh, traveling to Chicago that particular weekend. Uh, not all of them are invited to my wedding, of course, uh, but they are going to be there for the, the Sabre convention that weekend. And the weekend before then, if you like NASCAR, they're going to be racing in downtown Chicago the weekend before. Uh, so Chicago is going to be uh, happening in those couple of weeks around 4th of July this year. But that's what we have for New Year's resolutions. Again, we'll love to hear your guys' personal New Year's resolutions as well, uh, especially if you're looking to do something for the first time. I've noticed in the Sox Machine comments, if you mention anything like that and somebody else has done that or they're an, a pseudo-expert 
in that particular area. They are always willing to give advice to get you going so you can meet your resolutions. As Jim mentioned at the beginning of the segment, if you hit one out of your five New Year's resolutions that you set out, that's a pretty good success rate. So best of luck to everyone with your New Year's resolutions and hopefully the White Sox meet the resolutions that we have for them for the upcoming 2023 season. And I know we have some. I know we have some North Dakota uh, readers and uh, participants in our comments. So I got your back, North Dakota. Yes, the, I'm, I'm sure I'll hear from you guys. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> that will do it for this episode of the Sox Machine Podcast as we kick off our tenth season podcasting about the Chicago White Sox. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you are the first time listening to this particular show. Uh, you can subscribe to the Sox Machine Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts such as Spotify and Apple Music. Again, follow us on Twitter. We're at Sox Machine. You can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. Subscribe to our YouTube page. We're inching closer to 1,000 subscribers. So we'll have more features unlocked once we hit that milestone. If you enjoy watching things on YouTube and you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe at YouTube.com slash Sox Machine. And as we mentioned at the beginning part of the show, we have a new Patreon tier. So if you enjoy our work and you want more, you can sign up at patreon.com slash socks machine. Not only do we have the veterans committee tier, um, but we also have uh, smaller amounts as well of support starting at $2 a month. And you can save with an annual subscription as our Patreon supporters get exclusive content. They get ad free versions of both the podcast and website. And thanks to our new Socks Machine store uh, that you can shop for items right now. We'll be expanding that uh, during the 2023 year. Uh, they're the first ones to receive new Socks Machine swag. So if you are interested in helping support us, again, visit patreon.com slash Socks Machine. The Socks Machine podcast is a production of SocksMachine.com. You're on for all things Chicago White Sox baseball and part of the Blue Wire podcast network. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for watching and listening. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com